You are listening to Subtle Disruptors Melbourne. This is the first series of the podcast, Subtle Disruptors, telling the stories of those who are quietly having an amazing positive impact on their city and the world. And that was the moment where I really questioned what grassroots sport was all about. Like so many kids around the world, I grew up playing sport. While I have many fond memories of this time, I can see my character was shaped through this playing. There were aspects, particularly of my senior clubs, that left me thinking, I don't agree with so much of what is happening here, but I'm not sure what to do about it. My guest this week felt this acutely, and after some formative experiences and a few years of wondering, decided to create a business that developed the character and leadership skills of the influencers at sporting clubs, and in turn helped bring about transformative cultural change. I'm Adam Murray, and thanks for joining me as I talk with Jamin Heppel about the subtle disruption of grassroots sporting clubs. All right, Jamin, man. So good to be seeing you again. Mate, we, it's been a little while. It has been a little while. I don't know if we can talk about how we met, though. Is no, that... We, we best not. I, <laughs> I'm one that sort of moves towards more creating curiosity yeah. about, about where we met. Yeah, well, yep. it was... It was quite a bonding experience. We'll just leave it at that, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Are we allowed to plug the organisation? I think so. Yeah. yeah. So we met on the new warrior training run by the Mankind Project. That's right. In August 2015. Yeah, didn't correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Check him out. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave it at that. Yeah, we'll leave yeah. it at that. Yeah. Um, and now today I've we're in I think we're in Carlton. Is this Carlton? We're in Carlton. Yep. Yeah, yep. and you've you've taken me through quite a maze to get here. Um, <laughs> You, uh, you mentioned the word, it's a bit more discreet to come in the entrance that we came into. Where actually are we? I don't actually really know where we are. Where are we? Totally, mate. So we are in Carlton. Yep. Um, we are in ground floor of College Square, uh, sitting on the corner of Ligon Street and Alexander Parade. Yep. Uh, and this particular section of the ground floor is um, the offices of YMCA Victoria's Leadership Development Unit right. and also their... Um, bridge project unit and um, to provide some context as to why we're, we're here um, two of the organizations that I run um, or run with um, co-founders um, we out these organizations are auspiced by YMCA Victoria and specifically we are supported by the managers of the youth of the leadership development unit of YMCA Victoria Right. Hence, this is an office space that we use um, from time to time and whenever we need to host meetings that involve more than three people. Okay, yep. yeah. Yep. So what, well, let's talk about what are those organisations that you're running? Yeah, yeah. mate. Well, um, the first one that I'll start with is called Game Changers Australia. Now, Game Changers Australia uh, was founded by uh, myself and three of my mentors in 2012. My mentors are Alicia Crawford, Mick Delaney and Ben Rogers, and these are people who had been in my life for about five years um, prior to me um, presenting a, a vision to them um, and inviting them to, to go on a journey of creating this organisation. And specifically, Game Changers Australia is about leveraging the influence and power of sport to create more empowered and inclusive communities across Australia. Um, the way that we do that is working with 14 to 30 year olds, so I, I refer to them as young people, um, on residential based leadership development initiatives um, that 
ultimately enable young people to identify um, how influential they are in their local community and work with them to uh, access, access greater power but also develop skills in um, enabling them to lead better and role model better within their grassroots communities. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, it's been a really exciting journey because I was 22 when we founded that yeah. and now it's it's been evolving for the past four years and yeah. um, it's, just, it's been, the journey has been remarkable um, from, a, from a, an impact point of view, um, from a, a, a meeting other incredible people point of view, um, but also for my, my own growth as, yeah. a, as a young man and yeah. as, a, um, as, a, as a social entrepreneur, <laughs> um, if, you, yeah, if, if I can call it that. Um, and yeah, just as a, as, a, as a business person, I suppose. Yeah, it's just yeah. been a, a hell of a roller coaster and um, something that I really uh, believe in. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up around cricket clubs and footy clubs and that kind of thing around, you know, suburban Melbourne. Mm. And, uh, I mean, I've got some really formative memories of my times around those clubs too. Like, what sort of, what sort of sporting clubs are you working with and where, where are they located? Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I think that, um, and even what you just shared then sort of brought back to the kind of the essence of why this all come about. Um, and that directly ties with the types of clubs and organisations that we're working with at the moment. But... I grew up in um, Lean Gatha, so an hour and a half southeast of Melbourne, down towards sort of Phillip Island way. And um, for me, growing up, my parents, Anne-Marie and Paul, were uh, super fit and athletic and just always um, always in the outdoors. And basically, we as kids just didn't have a choice. <laughs> you know, we were, we were uh, always encouraged to be outdoors and just balls were always in our in our hands just constantly um just constantly mucking around and i think even more so the influence of my dad um was hugely significant for me and my two younger brothers where um you know he'd be running laps around town and here we are these little tackers would be trying to keep keep up with him and you know just trying to tackle the dog or whatever um or uh, we'd be on our bike you know riding next to him and so that just a healthy a healthy lifestyle was kind of brought into our existence very early on. Um, in Langatha, major sporting opportunities, in fact, pretty much the only sporting opportunities is uh, football and basketball, uh, or basketball and netball, if you're, depending whether you're a guy or a girl. Yeah. And um, so as a young guy growing up, just played as much sport as I could, but a lot of football and a lot of basketball. Um, as I was growing up, um, I really aspired to be an AFL footballer like that was my that was my dream <laughs> and as it turns out that's actually become uh, the fruition of, uh, of my younger brother Dyson <laughs> yeah. and um, and not too far off the mark is my youngest brother Aaron so yeah, right. Dice obviously um, been with Essendon having a gap year this year yeah. uh, and uh, and as playing with the Essendon VFL um, again this year which is exciting oh, wow. for those guys so yeah. they kind of ended up um, sort of fulfilling my uh, initial ambitions. Yeah. Um, but alongside, alongside um, my relentless drive to being an elite athlete was um, a constant presence in uh, leadership positions. And so whether that's like house captain 
or you know USRC or yeah. um, you know debate team captain, school footy captain, and eventually school captain. The other part of me was really always striving towards like what is leadership, you know, trying to un- understand and 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 model that. Um, and admittedly, retrospectively, and like looking back, I really had no idea how to be a leader or what that even meant. In fact, I'm probably less clear on that now <laughs> than what I ever was. But the being being in a position of influence and a position of um, I guess of, of power is it always kind of I was always sort of drawn drawn to that, and um, I was attracted to the challenge and I was attracted to the responsibility, um, and the whole shift towards actually moving to developing and building an organization um beyond my kind of temperament for like loving a challenge and you know wanting to um yeah wanting to develop the skills of influence and of leadership um was two it was was, i was 16 and i was in a stage where i realized if i wanted to take my footy to the next level um i needed to start training with the seniors and so I did an entire pre-season with, um, with the seniors and started to form some... I just get, get, a, get a real feel for being a part of like this group of men, right? And um, I, was, I know there were so many moments where I was really... I was just challenged by these, these boys um, for the way they spoke to each other, the way they spoke to me, and I was kind of just challenged on a values front mm. um, constantly. And particularly in things around um, just sexist remarks and and um, and homophobic remarks and you know and racist jokes and that kind of thing and that kind of it triggered me. But as a sixteen year old, you kind of just you just roll with it, <laughs> you know. Um, I wasn't yeah I wasn't at a stage where I felt courageous enough or, or confident enough to to call guys out on that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah. And um, there was a there was a moment when it was it was two weeks into the season and we we're at a social function. Um, and Lane Gatha had recruited this young gun named Ricky, and he was 21, and he was an absolute talent, a real, just gifted athlete, and he was also incredibly charismatic, really funny, really boisterous, the type of bloke that young people just gravitate towards. <laughs> just the god of a football club. Yeah, yeah. that's it, you know, yeah. very much so, and just had power. And, and, you know, just real charisma. And people were just, like, young boys in particular, teenage boys, just drawn to him. Yeah. And I remember at this social function, and Ricky was leaning up against the bar, and four of my mates were standing around him. And I was sort of observing from about five metres away. And I just remember this so vividly. Uh, Ricky, he, he reached into his pocket, and then he pulled out four ecstasy pills. And then each of my mates went in and grabbed one. And that was the moment where I really questioned what grassroots sport was all about. Mm. You know, why does this exist? This, this thing, this club, this pastime. Why, if this is the type of culture that's, or the type of people that are, that are being shaped through this thing, this vehicle of sport, um, why does it even exist? And I was so I obviously couldn't articulate it like that at the time, but it just it just hit me so deeply. It was like that's that's wrong. And I know that sport c- 
can serve a far greater purpose than what it's what it's doing in my local community. Um, and so from that, I was a bit stirred up, you know, uh, but I just didn't know what to do about it. Two years later, I was invited, I was school captain and of Lingathasek, and I was invited down to a leadership development program um, delivered by YMCA Victoria. Yeah. In fact, by some of the people <laughs> who you just met. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I was invited down to this program. It was a six-day le- residential leadership retreat um, for 16 to 19-year-olds who were young leaders from all across Victoria. Yeah. And basically, it was the first time in my life where I'd ever been taken out of my bubble of Langatha and brought down to a space where I was introduced to 59 other young leaders from all works, walks of life. And for me, the week was, it was transformative um, on so many levels. It was the first time that I'd been introduced to, to an environment and a culture so far different to what I'd been brought up in. It opened my mind and it, it opened me to this um, abundance of opportunity and this real question that I would ask myself of what, what's possible. You know, what is really possible in this world? Yeah. And um, I come back inspired and um, more enlightened. You know, it was the first time I'd ever met a Muslim. First time I'd ever met someone who was gay, open, proud about at my age. First time I ever met someone who had depression and was happy to have that conversation. And for me, I sort of come back and I was just like, every young person deserves an opportunity to, to experience that and have that something like that facilitated for their growth and development and obviously i come back and i was excited and i wanted to to tell everybody about it but the process of trying to articulate this experience (laughs) of transformation as we know (laughs) um was was really difficult because unless you were there would you have any uh context to, to, to actually understand the, the impact that it had on my development or anyone else's development yeah. there. And um, it kind of ended up in this discussion of like, yeah, 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 Jamin, that sounds really cool. Sounds like your kind of thing, not for me. And that was the bit where it was like, man, every young person needs this, but the reality of being able to create something where that's the case um, is, is unrealistic. Who could we target? Who needs this? Who who needs this the most? And um, for me, reflecting on my journey as a teenager, those who were talented at sport, and those who had kind of like just played into that sort of jocular, that jocular kind of stereotype, yeah, um, they were the popular ones. They were the kids that tend to have a bit of influence and a bit of a bit of pulling power in the schoolyard, mm. and that then began to form this idea of, well, if we can have an impact, uh, or if we can help those um, influential sporting leaders identify their power, um, develop greater skills in leading, and then choose to uh, leverage that influence in a direction that's promoting, um, I guess, pro-social behaviour, in the schoolyard or in any other communities that they're connected to, yeah. um, then that is potentially an avenue to create change. Yeah. And so 
that was the birth of the idea of, that, that ultimately became Game Changers Australia. Yeah. Yeah. That's an awesome <laughs> story, man. Yeah. Some of the things you're saying about a football club ring so true yeah, to man. me oh, as well. And it's still, and look, and so, you know, I'm 26, I'm 20, 25, I'm 26 next month. Um, I connect with, I connect with clubs, you know, every week yeah. and the same challenges exist, you know, as what they were 10 years ago. Yeah. When I was first confronted with that. Yeah. With that issue, if not more prevalent yeah. than what they were 10 years ago. Yeah. So how, how are you engaging with clubs? Like, how is that conversation actually starting and you know, where does it go? Like, yeah, yeah. Who's coming to you? Totally, mate. Clubs? It's like, like, well, and who the hell, who the hell are you and who the hell is Game Changers Australia and yeah what what do you know mate yeah (laughs) yeah like seriously um the journey yeah how does how does that all come about um the so after four years from 18 to 22 was this process of just talking about this idea you know and uh we like i would sit down with my mates or with my family or people i just met and just be talking about this idea of sort of kind of marrying leadership development um, with with sport and you know the the potential positive impact that might have um, and over to, like people got it like they just kind of they go yeah like I can I get that you know that I can relate to that I was that guy or girl or I wasn't that guy or girl but the guy or girl that I'm thinking of needed this <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know um, and so people got it and that in people getting it built a confidence and a greater belief that I was. That I that, that that where I what I was looking to create is valid. You know, it's kind of validated in all of these little conversations. And then the tipping point was when I finally had the balls to go and uh, introduce the idea to my mentors Alicia um, Dalla and um, Ben Rogers. The the idea of cap, well, at the time Captain's Camp, that, which ultimately became Game Changers, and. Um, and when I did, uh, there was just an overwhelming sense of support yeah. and going, um, yeah, mate, like, we don't only back you in this, but we actually want to get on board. And as a 22-year-old that had this kind of uh, vision um, to have five, three, of the, three of the people in my life that were the most kind of influential and the ones that I sort of really looked to for support, to say, mate, we're, we're on, we're, we're on side. Yeah. Um, that was one of the most uh, liberating and, and kind of um, empowering moments of, of, my, yeah. li- of my life. God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that was when uh, I went from full-time uni to one subject. Yeah. Um, picked up <laughs> as much work between 5 a.m. and 9 a.m. as I could <laughs> doing personal training and group fitness so I could earn my semi-full-time wage before 9 a.m. so then I could just work full-time on... Um, uh, building building Game Changers Australia and getting our first initiative captain's camp off the ground and you know like my uni was complete like I said three, uh, four subjects down to one and wouldn't do any study until I'd just take a complete week off and swap back just to cram for a week butcher the exam forget whatever knowledge I'd potentially held on to and then just get back to work on Game Changers like that was the yeah. process between that uh, June 2012 and and um, June 2013, like that was yeah. just a hectic 12 months. And once we had determined the program that we wanted to run and be, and we were really clear on who we were targeting, which was um, 
grassroots football netball clubs from country Victoria, more yeah. specifically from the Gippsland region, which is where I grew up. Yeah. Um, that was where we really put this idea to the test. And um, I spent 12 weeks um, going from the city down to traveling one and a half to two hours into Gippsland three times a week um, to get in front of the uh, club committees and club boards of local football netball clubs and, um, and pitching this idea of Captain's Camp, asking them to nom- identify, uh, nominate and sponsor uh, two to four young male and female leaders and people who they believed um, with, some, with, with some training and with, with some development um, would become future leaders of the club. That was kind of the criteria. And um, would go down and pitch and then invite them to get on board. And across the space of 12 weeks, I connected with 36 clubs, uh, of which led us to having 30 participants on our very first captain's camp in 2013. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So obviously got a really positive response. Really positive response. Yeah. 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 And then that was, um, and it was that, that really began this movement of we're, we're creating something that's going to work. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Maybe just to paint, there's probably a few people that are listening from overseas as well and um, they might not quite get the context of a football netball club in a Got it. country Victorian town. Got it. You know? yeah, yeah, so yeah. maybe just paint a bit of that picture of what that is yeah, totally. to the town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think, I, you know, just relating it back to, you know, the type of community that I grew up in um, where uh, sport is kind of like sport, your local football netball club is kind of like um, you're a, a community hub. You know, it's something, it's something that, that, that um, brings young people and, and middle-aged people and, and older people together into one place. Um, and it's, a, it's generally a celebration of, um, of, I guess, athleticism, but it, it, it creates an environment where people can be social and connect and, um, and come together to be all backing one thing like it kind of yeah, you, yeah. It unites people right yeah. and um and i kind of i describe like your local footy netball club as kind of like the social glue <laughs> yeah you know and it's the type of thing that you get your 12 under 12s playing at 8 30 in the morning <laughs> uh right through to your seniors at 2 30 in the afternoon with your thirds and and your, and your seconds in there as well uh so you get all these people playing um but then you also get like the nanas of the players or you get the nannas <laughs> yeah. who just live across the street who wander across because they want to have it they want to know you know who's playing who wins who loses and and it really does sort of foster a sense of um a broader sense of community yeah um particularly in country towns yeah 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 um and so it's a it's a beautiful thing like they do like and this is why i, I don't think sport is completely fucked i'm allowed to say I'm allowed yeah to say. yeah I don't think like I don't think it's completely fucked. And I, I think if we can create, do some work to create more inclusive, empowering um, grassroots sporting clubs, that it can come back to the essence of what what sport is all about. Which, believe it or not, um, most team sports were actually founded upon um, a knowingness of the community at the time that uh, sport play served a phenomenal role in developing the character of young people. Mm. And so whatever values a particular community or society wanted to instill in young people, they would do that 
they would model that and do that through sport. Yeah. And um, look, my personal take is that the commercialization, professionalization of sport has really taken away the essence of what sport is all about. Yeah. Um, and it's really trickling down into a lot of grassroots sporting communities. Yeah. Um, but then there are also some other very toxic cultures that are that are also, you know, that have been prevalent in sporting clubs for, for decades. Um, so it's kind of like addressing some recent cultural challenges as well as trying to tackle some more systemic cultural challenges around hypermasculinism and yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know sexist cultures and homophobic cultures and all of, like so we're wrestling with a lot of um, systemic stuff, but at the same time there's also the influence of you know of drug taking and then players also you know uh, not having much loyalty for their club because mm. money talks you know so there's kind of these other cultural more recent cultural factors that we're, that we're sort of wrestling as well with um, I believe because of the, the, the professionalization commercialization of sport um, but coming back to it I think um, you yeah, know I just like believe that if we can do work with those who are influential within their grassroots sporting communities yeah um, we can we can create a, a real movement towards bringing sport back to what it's what it was originally founded upon yeah I think that's so exciting and just thinking about sporting clubs around I mean I'm most familiar with them around Melbourne and a little bit with you know sort of country and rural Victoria as well but they're like they are grassroots, like it is, you know, the people still, even in, sub in suburban footy, right, you've got the people coming across the road, they're everywhere, there's ovals mm. everywhere in Melbourne, it's, you know, it, it is just, and I, and I guess, yeah, like when my times at football clubs when I was a junior, I really got a lot out of it, mm. I really felt like that, in terms of my character, it was, was quite formative. Mm. As a senior, I can't, I can't really think of one good thing that happened to me at a football club that in terms of developing my character in a positive way. You know, there's yeah, totally. yeah. you know, there lots of challenges there which helped develop my character, but and I was just playing, you know, local suburban footy as well. But yeah, there was a lot of you know, it was a lot about the money and about a lot of the things that you're talking about, mm. but the prevalence of those clubs they're everywhere mm. and to harness that, it's such an untapped avenue for social good. For social yeah. good, totally. And and I mean they and and they hold a phenomenal, phenomenal human resources to actually develop the character of young people. So you've got, you know, you've got engaged, you've got engaged, uh, fourteen to eighteen year olds. You know, at the most impressionable stage of their, of their, of their life, yeah. basically, and you've got, you've got eighteen to, to thirty year olds who are, in a stage where they're really trying to work out who they are, but they are so influential. These men and women, um, whether they like it or not, because these young guys are watching their every move. Yeah. You know, they are modeling, they're modeling the behavior, that they're, they're, they're modeling and shaping the type of young men and women that, that, that these young people are, are moving towards. Yeah. And I, I see that as such an opportunity, you know, such an opportunity, because if we can harness the, 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 the good and, and create a greater awareness in those men and women between 18 and 30 about how they show up and how they uh, engage with each other and engage with the world, how much of an impact that has on these guys. Um, and they're intentional about being positive role models. I believe that that can have a significant impact on how the next generation sort of show up as, as young adults. Yeah. Um, 
and so that's the kind of movement because I'm now, you know, I was 22, now 25, as the driver of the organisation, um, and as a, I guess, a lead facilitator in the work that we do. Um, that's a, it's a it's a beautiful and it's a it's an exciting and a scary movement to shifting from just working with uh, fourteen to eighteen year olds to now working with eighteen to thirty year olds. Yeah, you know, because it's kind of like who the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, a bit of the, like there's a bit of that going, which which is also a beautiful challenge to wrestle with and and to also you know do the work personally and with our teams to be able to hold our own and go no like this we 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 have we have value to add yeah and we um and we can facilitate this in a way that will be engaging and respected by these men and women aged 18 to 30 um so they have you know they choose to to support the vision and uh, be more conscious about how they how they show up in their in their grassroots clubs yeah, well, tell us about what you are actually doing with them and how they do then show up in their yeah. clubs, what the impact is. Yeah, yeah, that. yeah, totally, yeah. totally. So we've got the Captain's Camp program, so that's 15 to 17-year-olds, the young leaders who are nominated by the clubs. So that's been running for the last three years. More recently, we've started up programs such as um, the Rising Stars program. Now, this is really interesting. This is um, one that I'm really excited about growing further, which is all about um, connecting with the cl- engaging with the club and then having the club and the senior teams... Yep. Um, identify the leaders of the club. So pr- 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 primarily from a football network club, let's say, we're getting the captain and the assistant and the assistant captain and uh, people of great influence. And then our team will work with them to develop their facilitation skills and introduce them to a two-day program, right, that they co-facilitate <laughs> with us for every junior in the club. Wow. And yeah. then we do that, we, we deliver that as a residential club as a residential program, I should say, um, over uh, two days. And so we actually have an overnighter where we, like, pitch tents on the oval. <laughs> and, you know, and we do this whole process of, like, start to finish, to take them on this journey. But the, the, and the process that we follow is one called Rite of Passage, which um, is uh, not too dissimilar from an experience that we've both, both <laughs> shared. <Yeah. laughs> um, uh, and that's being informed by one of my... Um, one, another one of my mentors named Anna Rubenstein, who does remarkable work with um, developing, uh, the tr- or facilitating the transition of, of boys to men and, yeah. and doing that with, with young boys and, and their fathers. Um, so fueled by a lot of his work and, and insight, um, that's a journey, it's a process that we take these juniors on where the elders in this case aren't necessarily the fathers or the, you know, the, the grandfathers mm. in the community, but it's actually... The, the leaders of the sporting club who yeah. are playing the the role as elders to then help um, transition these juniors from um, you know boy or girl to, to young adult um, and it's a yeah it's a beautiful process and it's awesome because you really get to the the, the, the leaders get a real sense of yeah like I'm actually having a pretty significant impact on the development of this young person's life not just now but also it's been happening for years um, <laughs> And the, 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 the junior participants get a real sense of um, feeling a strong connection to their club and to each other. This real sense of, like, there's a, there, I'm a part of a real community and I have a sense of place here in this club. Yeah. Um, and I also feel safe and I feel protected because I've now formed relationships with these elders who I really look up to 
I also know that they're not perfect and have their vulnerabilities because of what we share. Um, and then a beautiful relationship is formed there that then enables these young people to go, well, I'm actually struggling or I've got a challenge in the club, with yeah. the club. Um, there's someone to go to, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. And, you know, another part of it is also just like introducing the board. <laughs> you like bring in the board onto the program. Yeah. Go, hey, this yeah. is the president. And, and what's your name? And, and why do you do what you do? Like you're all volunteers. Why, why do you volunteer to, to the, for this club? Um, and it just gives a face to a name, but also gives the, the, the participants and the, you know, the junior players an understanding as to why this person cares. Which then gives them an idea of what the vision is for the club, and then creates a greater sense of uh, being and place in the in the club um, for the junior participant. And so that it's and and the most important thing out of all of that is that we then, as an organisation, step away, but the relationships exist, yeah. still exist beyond our being there. Yeah. And that to me is really important in terms of the sustainable impact side of it. It's not just fly in, fly out, but it's actually leaving them with something that's. Uh, ongoing yeah um, so that's that's an example of some of the other work that we do and then even more recently it's doing work exclusively with senior teams yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah which I believe you might have seen a, yeah, a, a short little, video. little video on Facebook <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and so they'll be they'll, they'll vary from 90 minutes to one day to two days depending on the needs of the club yeah. um, and that can either have a purely leadership focus or that can be both um, uh, performance based so athletic strength and conditioning based yeah. combined with leadership stuff um, yeah. because yeah the uh, the performance pieces is, is important to consider and uh, my background also stems in strength and conditioning so yeah. it's nice being able to sort yeah. of marry those couple yeah 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 yeah. So that's looking, uh, yeah and I think um, look in time and in time as our organization matures we'll eventually do work specifically with boards and with committees and so then it's the whole we're sort of serving each demographic each sort of sector of a sporting club to help I guess ultimately create a, a, a cultural shift and um, yeah generate a help, help a club generate a movement towards something that is more inclusive more empowering where success isn't just measured by the number of premierships yeah, um, yeah. but it's measured by the, 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 the strength of the character of the young people who are growing up and becoming who are a part of it yeah. yeah that was actually a question I was going to ask like how are you I guess, kind of measuring the, the change that you're having. Like, yeah, obviously, you're having these really big, important kind of, you know, formative and peak events, I like mm. to call them. Um, what, what have you observed over the, the years that's followed that and how do you actually measure that? Yeah, yeah. yeah totally, totally. Um, it's kind of like a part of the embarrassment for me. <laughs> and what I mean by that is... Um, Evaluation isn't something that I realised was important in the founding days of the organisation, which yeah. is just my own uh, naivety and lack of a, and just lack of awareness. Yeah. Um, so we only began evaluating last year, which yeah. is our, in our third year, which um, which the, I mean, there's no regrets around it, but it's nice. It would be nice to have like some pretty solid evaluation, sure. <laughs> like from the beginning. Yeah. But um, but as of last year, we've got a more uh, formal evaluation, which is uh, demonstrating um, significant increases in young people's confidence. Um, demonstrating um, significantly greater awareness of social issues that exist in their club and more broadly um, in our national within Australia um, and then even some more global social challenges um, 
a, a real uh, knowingness of what their unique gifts and strengths are mm. um, and accessing that and then well, I guess what stems from that then is making choices that enable them to really leverage their gifts and strengths instead of spending all their energy on working on their weaknesses yeah <laughs> um, so there, I guess there are a couple of like I guess the more um, specific data um, fueled takeaways but more anecdotally um, the Rising Stars program for example stemmed from um, a group of participants from one club that had raised money to fund their own involvement in the Captain's Camp program uh, they were left with a, a, a pool of money left over and the club said well you guys have raised this money how do you how do you want to spend it on the condition that the money that the, however the money is spent it must impact all the juniors of the club and so they nervously gave me a phone call <laughs> and said, Jane, would you be able to come and run a, 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 a leadership training for all the juniors of the club? Yeah. And then, you know, that then ultimately result, resulted in the Rising Stars program engaging the seniors and the juniors. You know, that stemmed from participants yeah. um, or graduates. The Another example is, um, now I won't say that we create these young people because they certainly have the temperament to head in this direction anyhow, but um, of the... 80 graduates we've had through the Captain's Camp program over the last few years, um, we've had 12, 12 have become school captains, and we've had 16 go on to become the under-18s captains, and 50% of them have played uh, senior football or um, senior netball from the clubs that they that they stem from. So, you know, in terms of, like, statistics and or, or, or um, anecdotally, yeah, I think there's some examples of some of the success that's kind of that's stemmed from it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and from a, I guess from a senior perspective, there's been a real, um, it's kind of opened, really opened the eyes and mind of a lot of the, the senior players around their interest in personal growth and they're interested in leadership development. And it's kind of like for them, it's just that taster of a world that they haven't explored yet. And so um, from a, an impact point of view, it's more so them coming back saying, Jamie, how can I engage more with what you guys are doing? Um, or how can I develop uh, insight and knowledge similar to what you guys are teaching us? You know, where can I find more of this sort of stuff? So um, for me, and I think that that in itself is kind of fueling a, a grander agenda of encouraging and fueling an appetite for people to um, become more self-aware and, and do more self-inquiry and you know, and aspire to be better versions of themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I guess that, yeah, yeah, that kind of yeah. is impact. I guess, yeah, that's impact. <laughs> it is. And yeah. you know, that's, that's awesome impact. And what, you've been going for four years now. Mm. And it'd be so fascinating to see some of those people, you know, in 10 years' time looking back, even if they're not playing sport, right, but just looking yeah, back on... Totally. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think another cool thing too now is like we're at a stage where graduates of the original captain's camp are now uh, finished year 12 and are now coming down to university and are in a position where they, they're actually taking part in our um, facilitator training programs. Yeah. So then to ultimately equip them with the skills yeah. to, to then be a, what we call a playmaker or a volunteer facilitator, yeah. um, a playmaker on, on our programs. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like the, the six succession of, um, of what, what began when you are starting to see those guys come through and actually want to lead and drive <laughs> yeah, the future wow. of the organization. Yeah. Yeah. Really exciting. Completing the circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's great. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah. So game changers, is that, 
you, you were talking about there was a few organisations that you're running. Is that one of the organisations and there's others, or were they are they all tied up? In Correct. No, so that's that's one. <laughs> 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 but uh, that's been in the existence for for the longest. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> Yeah, we've been here a while, but I'm going to keep talking if you're... Have you, Mate, are you no, okay? no, we're good. We're yeah? Good. Yeah, yeah, cool. I'm up and about. We're good. Yeah, awesome. So, um, yeah, cool. So, so Game Changers is a, um, it is, it is a part of what I do. Um, the other, the other organisation um, is a social enterprise, and that's called Headquarters. Now, Headquarters was founded um, by uh, Benson Salou. Hunter Johnson and myself, I definitely encourage you to have a chat with those gentlemen. Yeah. Um, remarkable men in their own right, um, very much so. Uh, the three of us um, founded Headquarters and basically we deliver one core initiative at the moment. Uh, we founded last year in 2015. Um, we deliver one core initiative at the moment called The Man Cave. And so what we do is we go into schools and work with 15 and 16 year old boys around developing or create and, and really it's all about creating um, an environment um, and a space that can hold their vulnerability and in turn their insecurities and we create a space where it's okay to talk about real shit um, and so the whole premise is built around we're looking to um, develop their emotional intelligence, their emotional literacy, and provide them with skills um, to deal with the complexities and challenges of being a young person, and also develop an, an awareness of their relationship with themselves, their relationship with their mates, and also their relationship with women. Um, and so we've got a real strong... Um, piece around uh, gender equality or gender equity and um, and also violence against women and so we piece this together in the program called the man cave which uh, is adaptive depending on the needs of a school and also the resources time and um, you know how many kids we can actually work with in a time yeah it's adaptive um, but ultimately it's about fueling this movement of creating um, extraordinary just good young men, you know, and helping fuel, uh, yeah, fuel a, 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 a movement, and but also just introducing these these boys and young men to to conversations and experiences that they've never been exposed to, and again, that in itself, similar to my experience being on um, the You Know Why program run by YMCA, just being in a space that is so far different to what you've ever encountered before opens an abundance of opportunity. And uh, I feel at the very least we serve, we, 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 we play, we serve a purpose in that and yeah. create a, um, a different, yeah, create a sense of possibility of how these boys can choose to actually show up in the world and what kind of world they want to create for themselves. Yeah. yeah. I'm fascinated about how you create that space because I'm just thinking about you know, schoolyard politics and dynamics between boys in particular. Yeah. Do you, like, do you just grab a class or do you pick certain kids or how is that actually, how's that process done? Yeah, totally. So we'll work with whatever audience um, the school gives us. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we, we won't 
run a pro, we won't run a class with any more than 30. So um, we'll only work with a maximum of 30 in a room because otherwise we feel as though we're not able to serve each individual mm. um, as uh, to, to the extent they deserve to be in order for it to be valuable and meaningful work. Um, uh, in terms of in terms of the space creation, um, I mean there are certainly skills and techniques that are used to help shape and create that kind of um, container. I yeah. suppose you'd call it where there's like there's a there's a safe container and it's yeah. it's sort of separated from their everyday world. And I mean one of the one of the best ways to do that is to actually take people from their immediate community and 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 physically move them to another space <laughs> um, is ideal, but. At the very least, we'll just completely reconfigure a classroom so it looks nothing like school anymore, and you know, and make it cave-like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so it actually shifts the uh, the experience of what it is to be in that room. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, and that's I guess then that's more sort of skills and techniques based that I'm speaking about. But the real um, the real creator of that space is. Um, the facilitators modeling that yeah you know the facilitators being real the facilitators um taking off their mask and shedding layers and demonstrating that this is how i'm choosing to show up and a standard any less than this is not welcome (laughs) you know um and it's not as cutthroat as that but that's kind of the essence of it yeah and it's it's kind of like if you're not gonna yeah if you can't respect this then 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 don't be here so there's sort of like there's a and and it's not all like heavy like that mm. but there the, the whole the whole experience is built to be kind of sacred you yeah. know and then we bring play into it and we bring um you know and we bring love and we bring joy into it um but it's built around this premise of we're creating a we're creating a serious safe space here yeah and you are welcome to be exactly who you are in this environment with us now and every other young man in this circle uh will hold you in your vulnerability on the condition that you do that you do that for everybody else and um yeah, that that's I guess that's that's how we do it. Yeah, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about that, you yeah. know, and 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 you've experienced it. I have, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, exactly. You know, and the difference is, yeah, we've done it with men, and we're doing it with young men and boys. Yeah, and I guess for most of them, like you say, like that's that's the first time they'd ever in, encounter something so I guess deliberate and perhaps ritualized mm. as well, but mm. also you know raising them up to this level of okay this is yeah man stuff as well man stuff real stuff yeah 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 totally totally and um yeah and it's like it, it's fun <laughs> you know it's fun and it and it's um and there's uh, it's it's needed it's needed now i'm not going to say that we are like the perfect ones to do it mm-hmm. but it's like there is a need for this sort of work, yeah, um, and um, yeah, between the three of us, we have a wealth of experience of working with young people, and and also I have a fundamental belief that um, as a man in my mid twenties, and the three of us in our mid twenties, 
we are best positioned to be facilitating that kind of journey and process for boys who are 14 to 18 years old. Just as we, in our mid-20s, need to be mentored by men aged 35 to 50. Just as those men need to be mentored by their elders aged 60 to 90. You know, and that is, and for me, that is the ultimate passing down of wisdom, where every every generation plays has a has a responsibility to be um, facilitating journeys and and imparting wisdom to the generation down, and yeah. it's done in a very intentional way, um, and and I, and that's why I believe that we're best placed to be doing this work now because we're we're listened to and we're respected. Yeah. Because we're young and cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there are two organisations. Was there a third as well? There's a yeah. third. Yeah. Um, and so that's a company called Healthy Communities Australia. Um, it is, it's a, it's a um, we consider it to be a social business. Its primary focus, or its primary service is a uh, fitness program called B2S Fitness. And B2S Fitness is group fitness training for the parents of primary school students hosted at the local primary school. Now the primary school takes, uh, takes a small percentage of the overall revenue and in return they give, provide us with the facility to train out of and also allow us to market to all of their parents to actually engage in group fitness training at the primary school. Yeah. Now what's really cool about this is that we are engaging a demographic or an audience of people who are at the most influential stage of their parenting life, right? A, a, a kid, a kid um, establishes their values and beliefs, um, or their, the parents of, of a kid aged zero to 13 um, have the most um, significant impact on values and beliefs of a kid between zero and 13, and that's purely through the way they're raised and modelled and all of that. And so our take is by ensuring that they are fit and healthy and um, eating well and, um, and, and basically modelling uh, these sorts of uh, attitudes and, and, and values around health and fitness and taking care of yourself, that that will then be values and beliefs instilled in their kids which then means by the time they're 13 and 14 and looking to break away from mum and dad, they don't need to be told to do exercise or eat well. They actually choose to do that. Yeah. Um, and so this is an approach, uh, it's, a, it's a generational approach to create, to, to tackling the obesity epidemic that we face here in Australia. Um, and yeah, it's, um, it's fun, mate. It's fun, <laughs> you know, like we, 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 we go into a school, we'll survey all the parents, we'll find out, um, what their appetite is for you know exercising at the school, and if so, what type of training do they want to do? What times do they want to train? And then, with all that data, we'll then develop a tailored program um, for the, uh, the for the parent community of that particular school. Um, and so, we founded HCA in twenty fourteen. So it's two years. Yeah, it's nearly two years old. And um, in that time, we've worked in. We're currently in three schools. Um, we grew it to five schools, uh, scaled too quickly, <laughs> uh, and then so brought it, brought it back down to three to really um, get the model right 
Um, to date, we've worked with over 130 parents um, and currently have 70 participants actively a part of our programs um, up to five sessions a week. Um, and um, we are, we're, we're, about, we're actually about to find out if Vic Health are gonna give us a second round of funding to um, test and explore whether this is a franchisable initiative. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is the ultimate goal, is to look at, right, can we create a business model that um, enables a, a trainer to set up a, a B2S fitness program in their local area, engage local primary schools, go through the whole process that we've been doing to set up a community-based fitness program. Yeah, yeah. it's all about engaging parents, um, promoting promoting good nutrition and ultimately I'd love for it to integrate um, uh, like healthy parenting like mm -hmm. as, as as an education like an educational piece that's tied to it um, and whether that comes through a different service or that's tied into our fitness programs we're not sure yet but the whole purpose around it is enabling parents to parent parent model better and and then in time parent better to raise more resilient happy kids yeah. yeah, and what I love about those three organisations is that you're leveraging something, things that have been there for a long period of time, like they're, they're embedded in the community, they're little hubs of the community mm -hmm. as well, mm -hmm. and you're leveraging the existing communities that, ex that are already there and yep. you're bringing in this new thing to like make them even better and breathe life into them and enable them to have you know, ripple effects that are more than just the people you're dealing that's with. A, that's it, well. that's it. And we're targeting, we're very, absolutely. And my big thing is around influence the influential. You know, work with those who have influence. So then the communities that they touch um, are in turn affected in accordance with an overall broader vision yeah. <laughs> of a bigger, better, happier world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That company, um, the co-founder, yeah. her name is Rianne Winsita, um, 40 year old mother of three. Yeah. Randomest business partnership relationship, 25 <laughs> year old and a 40 year old, yeah. <laughs> somewhere finding some middle ground amidst all of that. Yeah. Um, and someone that, yeah, I mean, the company wouldn't exist um, without her. And, yeah. and it was actually fueled, it all began with her idea of, of setting up a a boot camp for her mates at her local primary school. Yeah. And then and then it sort of all evolved from there. Yep. Is it during school hours or outside of school Both. hours? Is it normal? Yeah. Both. Yeah. yeah. So, so 6 a.m. is a popular time, 9, 10 a.m. popular yeah. time, 6.30 p.m. So 9, 10 a.m. the kids see their parents out on the, yeah, totally. in the gym or on the oval or whatever. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Then our 8 a.m. Saturday sessions, like they'll come along, parents will come along and bring their kids. Yeah. So the kids will get involved as well. Um, and Thursday are those at some schools we run a uh, teacher's program. Yeah. Yeah. So we actually, and then that's great because you got all the kids in the after school care yeah. um, who are like, you know, being looked after in the playground, but then they see, you know, Mrs. Jenkins <laughs> you know, doing suicides on the basketball court. <laughs> and they're like, hey, Mrs. Jenkins. <laughs> She's sort of struggling. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's really great, you know, on that front. Yeah. As well. Yeah. 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 Just that, just healthy modeling, mate. Very cool. Yeah. Far away. So, um, yeah, I mean, this, I don't know if you even get to this place as you start to imagine life or, you know, what other things that you could disrupt it. But a question I ask people is, you know, what's something you daydream about disrupting one day in the future? 
your organizations are quite young and you're, you seem to have been, you know, you've launched a couple of new ones already. Mm. But is there, are there things sort of outside of your realm of disruption that you do daydream about? Um, uh, yeah, 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 I guess so. Um, I want to, um, I want to, I want to work with men. Yeah, like I want to work with grown men. Yeah. And, and that's men in the chronological sense, right? Whereby, you know, you've been on, a, on the planet for a certain number of spins of the earth, <laughs> of the sun, yeah. um, <laughs> which therefore constitute you to be a man um, versus the, the emotional, psychological piece where I think so many um, chronological men are still a boy. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I want to play, I want to, I want to work with facilitating that transition from, from boy to man. Mm. Um, because, uh, yeah, because so, I think so much of our world um, has been created by men um, and often, sorry, so much of our world has been created by chronological men <laughs> um, who are boys. And uh, we need a world that's led, that, that is um, concurrently led by men and women but in order for that to be the case boys need to grow up and so yeah so that I want to create stuff around that which isn't too dissimilar with how where where we met (laughs) yeah that's right yeah that's I it's interesting you talk about that because I mean I I'm 38 and I think only in the past 18 months have I actually felt like I'm an adult for the first sure. time in my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there was a crisis in my life. There was sort of a six-month period where I went through a lot of internal wrestling. And I think coming out of the end of that, I'm like, wow, like I feel like I'm an adult for the first time in my life. I feel like a man. Totally. And it was, a, it was just a feeling of kind of knowing more about myself and what I wanted to do. Absolutely. You know, and the responsibilities that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a huge part of that is, and it's amazing you said kind of like there was a, a, a crisis, yeah. you know, that kind of come up. And I think it's things like that that, that are become such a, like a rite of passage that it fundamentally creates a shift in how you show up in the world and your experience of the world. Um, because I think it's experiences like that that have you um, confront and get to know your darkness. Mm. And knowing yourself more comes a humility. And I think it's that humility... That needs to be cultivated in in boys in their journey to transitioning into being a man. Um, I think the thing is though is that like you're fortunate <laughs> to have a crisis. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I'm you grateful know. for it totally. Absolutely, yeah. shit at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but the I think it can be it can it can be created. You know, like it's not the crisis that you create. You can create the opportunity to explore the, the darkness. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. what, that's where we met. <laughs> yeah. In the darkness. In the darkness. You know? Yeah. Or, or part or part of it. Yeah. Um, and and it's it's about um creating a culture where that is encouraged, and where um where we as a society do not shy away from those things that bring guilt and shame Mm. you know and that they can be brought into the light so we can get to know 
all parts of ourselves yeah and therefore how that influences the choices that we make and how we want to um you know what our mission is and how we want to move forward in the world yeah yeah not being afraid of that yeah and um, the final question is about you know this podcast is called subtle disruptors and some of the people listening you know uh, people that are on a similar journey to what you've been on and would aspire to that but what's something small that you've done in your own life something subtle that you've done in your own life that's helped you on this journey and it might actually be useful to other people that are listening as well hmm. yeah um good question and the thing that just jumps into my mind straight away um is meditation yeah 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 um yeah i was yeah i was introduced to meditation after struggling for with depression and anxiety between 17 and 20 um, and at 20, I hit a point where I had to do something and um, I made the most embarrassing decision of my life. No, not embarrassing, shameful decision of my life to go and see a psychologist. Yeah. <laughs> um, shameful at the time because that was conceding defeat. That was the ultimate vulnerability and, 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 and my failure is what my idea of being a man was. You know, I couldn't hold it together anymore. Um, I couldn't mask it any longer. Um, And it turned out to be one of the best things I ever did because I was introduced to somebody who could um, help me objectively understand what was going on and and, um, introduced me to some tools and some strategies to help start to understand what was going on for me and, and more importantly, how I can... um, uh, ultimately engage differently in the world and relate to myself in a different way and stop beating the shit out of myself <laughs> and um, and I was introduced to meditation on that day uh, I resisted it early um, and only only you use meditation in times where I was really struggling um, but then over time I gradually realized that it was good and and it was doing me a service and uh, I there, uh, in turn, I began to increase the frequency and I would begin to actually meditate on days where I was feeling fine <laughs> and not just when I felt like I needed it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and then the journey continues and now it's a, it's a daily practice of at least 20 minutes a day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it fundamentally changed my life and, and, and enables me to um, manage, uh, manage stress a lot better, but I'm also a hell of a lot less stressed. But I think even, but even for me, if I'm confronted with a big challenge or a big decision, um, my, the answers come in, in during meditation. Like it, when the, it's, I don't try and think on it, I just meditate and the answers, like it's almost like there's this work going on subconsciously mm-hmm. and when I sit in meditation, the, 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 the next move that I need to make or the call that, that I need to call just presents itself and it's just like, that's it. Yeah. So simple, simple, small, yeah. but enormous. Yeah. Mate, Jamin, that's uh, it's a great tip and so good to talk to you, mate. Thank you for being so open and yeah. talking about all parts of your life. Really yeah. enjoyed talking to you. <laughs> that's so good. Thanks, man. <laughs> good fun. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Subtle Disruptors. I hope you got something out of it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the show, including any suggestions you have for guests. You can get me on email through adam at subtledisruptors.com. And if you enjoyed listening and would like to be part of getting the word out about the Subtle Disruptors of Melbourne, a great way to do this is through jumping into iTunes and 
rating and reviewing this podcast. I'm Adam Murray, and I look forward to hearing about your own subtle disruption. Bye for now. Thank <laughs> you.